inside the cylinder, F96. This is your boy, David Fernandez, writer at Detroit Bad Boys. And you can follow me on Twitter at the underscore Fernandula. Um, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt Way. Matt, what it do? What's up, David? Um, I'm also writing it uh, for the Detroit Bad Boys, and you can find me at W-A-Y-M-A-T-T-H on Twitter if you want to uh, see some of my my insights there. Um, we got some, a uh, couple more, or a few, I guess three more games since we last uh, last recorded, don't we? Yeah, it's been three games. We are recording this on Tuesday night, so... Right after game one, uh, I guess the first Bucks game. It's kind of weird talking in that way because it always feels like I'm, I'm referencing it like a playoff series, which that ain't happening anytime soon. Um, but it is a little weird kind of referencing these game one, game two situations just with these baseball series that we have going on right now. Yeah, um, but the, the regular season is our playoffs for a while. So you might, uh, <laughs> I think you might hear us reference it as game one and game two. As as long as we can, it's the only only hope we have so far. Yeah, so you, you're right. So they did go one and two uh, to to I guess over the past week since we last recorded. Um, impressive win against Boston. Close loss to the Celtics in the second game there, and then a surprisingly close game against the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, we can get into a little bit of that stuff later, but. Uh, you want to hit us with some of the the sadness from the from what we saw last night, Matt? Sure. So we saw Killian Hayes go down. Unfortunately, um, was in was obvious pain. Looked to be a no contact type injury. Um, we did get a vague update today uh, on um, Tuesday. Just. Uh, by virtue of the injury report where, where Killian is listed as doubtful for the Bucks game um, with a hip strain. So I, I think there was concern that it was worse than a strain. Obviously the degree of the strain is going to kind of um, determine where he goes from here and how he gets treated. Um, I guess I'm curious, David, what you think of, you know, how the Pistons should handle this injury, given, given that it's, you know, it's a, a hip injury is a pretty important one to, to manage, I think. Yeah. So there's a couple elements here that I want to discuss first. I think if you've followed this team over the past four or five seasons, you've seen them rush players back from injury and it has turned out disastrous. Um, Reggie Jackson had, a high ankle sprain that he was brought back too early from. Um, You saw Blake Griffin sort of get ushered in to the playoffs or or the third game of the playoffs against the Bucs a couple of years ago when he had his knee injury. And so far, historically speaking, it has not worked out for Detroit. So I guess what I just want to do just to start off is just be patient. Like I I know he's doubtful for um, the next game, but – which is definitely encouraging. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's not like he was officially listed as out for the next five, six weeks. Um, but at the same time, if there's any reason to 
you know, just want to be a little cautious and, and not get him back there. I think looking back at what we've done in the past is a perfect way to sort of gauge what it is that you should be doing next. <clears throat> yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, Killian's 19. He's got a long career ahead of him. <clears throat> the Pistons aren't doing anything this year. Um, you listen to the doctors um, because that's all you really can do. But at the same time, I personally would would rather be a little more cautious with his minutes. Um, I, I think he's still already getting used to the speed of the game and just the complexities that come with the NBA game. And I don't think you want to throw too many things on his mind at once, especially when he's your starting point guard. He was kind of looking his best in that game against the Bucks. Now, he wasn't perfect by any means. Um, it didn't necessarily look like he was going to have a major breakout game, kind of a game that I've been really, really hoping for. I think more so from a fan perspective. And also, you know, he's, he's a lottery pick, so you do want to see something like that uh, out of him. But uh, he was quietly sort of putting together uh, a solid performance, it seemed like. But then it, it happened what was that in the second quarter? So who knows how the game would have turned out, but for him, but at the end of the day, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, wasn't a good situation. I do want to talk about the possible bullet that the Pistons dodged. Cause when we had originally crafted this document, we weren't sure what the, what the injury was going to be. We still don't necessarily have all of the details, but I did, I looked up previous players who have, really hurt their hip flexor, which is what it was reported that they thought it might be. Um, and I just want to talk about that, that dodge bullet, essentially. Uh, so in 2013, David Lee suffered a torn hip flexor. Uh, prior to the injury, he was a two-time All-Star. He averaged roughly 19 points per game. Uh, in his three seasons, in the three seasons prior to that injury, after that injury, he never averaged more than eight points per game for the rest of his career. Uh, and then he missed uh, 30 games a season over the next two years. So that's, uh, you know, he, he, sorry, David Lee was 29 at the time that he sustained that injury. So it's a lot different from someone who's so much younger, like Killian Hayes. But it is good to see that doubtful, not out, because that just at least tells us that it's certainly not the severity of, uh, an injury like David Lee sustained, uh, you know, 13 or seven years ago. So that was one of the things when I was like reading through it and just seeing what a worst possible case scenario might be. And I don't know why I do this to myself. I was <laughs> very much like reading through it, like through my hands. So um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of put a little context there that, Hey, it could have been a lot worse for sure. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Um, it, it, that really ruined David Lee's career. So I think that's a good comparison um, to what it could have been. Um, and you would worry even more with a guy like Killian who has to operate and create more space than David Lee, who has to guard in space. Um, you know, if you're not going to have a a fully healthy hip um, or, or, a, or, you know, one that even recovers to the to the extent that it it was previously, you know, that, that, that could seriously impact his ceiling and, and what he's able to do, especially for a guy who, you know, quite frankly, isn't, isn't ever probably going to be elite at breaking someone off the dribble. Um, so I, I think it's a huge uh, bullet that the Pistons dodged here. 
For sure. It was scary because he was writhing in pain uh, on the floor. And it looked like he mouthed something along the lines that it popped. It's like, oh, no. Especially coming off what happened to Jazz Jackson, which we're going to get into here in a second. Just to see that happen, uh, you know, twice in one week was just uh, kind of gut-wrenching, especially because a lot of this fan base, myself included, was really hoping to see him start to take some more positive strides. Uh, And I know we discussed this a bit last week, and I guess injury aside, are you still not very concerned about what you've seen from Hayes from an on-court perspective? Or has the as the games have continued, as we've seen more minutes from him, in the first game against the Celtics, he went 0 for 6 from the floor. He's had some really poor performances on, on the floor. So I guess for you, has any of that sort of changed? Or are you still just like, hey, everyone, let's just cool the Jets real quick? I know you had mentioned that you didn't think he was going to be a perennial all-star type of player anyways. Uh, so I guess what are your thoughts having seen him uh, when he was healthy before last night's game? Uh, I honestly... I think that he's been a little better than I expected, to be honest. Um, I I didn't expect him to be some super scorer early on because that's not really who he is. Um, he is very more. He's he's much more in the mold of a Alonzo Ball, um, where he's gonna move the. He's gonna he's gonna run the offense. He can run the offense, but he's not also not gonna demand to have the ball all the time to to create off the dribble. That's not his strength. He's just, he, he's such a good passer for 19. It's, it's crazy to me how good of a passer he is at such a young age. And that has stood out to me. Um, His defense being a lot better than what you would expect from someone in his situation is a huge positive to me. And a lot of the offensive stuff, you know, it, it's just too early to tell either, you know, with, with sh- the shooting, there's sample size issues, obviously. And he, he hasn't really done anything that tell that says to me, this guy is, you know, going to be limited and really has to improve this. Um, most of it just feels like typical rookie point guard stuff to me, um, especially a, a young point guard who, who, who has some catching up to do. So, um, you know, I've actually been more encouraged than I expected to be at this point. Yeah, well, that's a good way to to put it, and also very level headed of you. Uh, I, I I'm I'm mostly in that camp for sure. I think one thing that some Pistons fans have to put in perspective uh, is that we've waited so long to be bad to secure. Uh, another top to secure a top 10 pick to hit hit on someone in the lottery that it's easy to the first time that you're really starting that rebuild and that you get a pick that sort of fits that rebuild mold um, like this Killian Hayes pick number seven in the draft that you're really going to put all of your you mentally sort of put your your eggs in that basket okay this guy has to be the guy when really what we're what we're trying to accomplish this season is to hopefully get that guy next season. That is where the draft is loaded at the top. Um, that is where you're, you're hopefully going to be able to find that perennial all-star. And I think that a lot of the, 
sort of pressure and expectations have unfairly been put on Killian's soldier, uh, shoulders rather than really looking at this from a long view perspective as he could fill the hole at point guard for the Pistons for a long time. And also this was supposed to be a, a weak draft class at the top of the draft. So I think just because he fits the mold of where he was selected and where the Pistons um, were in, in starting their rebuild, that he does unfairly get this sort of uh, just high expectations that normally he, he wouldn't expect should he have gone to a different team who might have been through this type of carousel before or a team where they don't have the expectations to completely bottom out and then build up from the ground up. Yeah. I, I, and I think your point about the draft is well, is well taken. Um, you know, the one thing I would add is it's, it's not easy to find a guy with Killian's skill set necessarily in, in even early in the draft. Um, somebody who, who is such a, an advanced passer of the ball has good vision who plays just really under control, doesn't force things, you know, just a, a mature player who can really be a, a building block. Um, that it's just, it's hard to find those guys in general. Um, and, and, and who knows whether Killian will grow into that role, but, but he certainly has the potential. It's a lot easier to find uh, a lead scorer. Um, and I, this, this upcoming draft is full of them in, in the early lottery. So I, I think you're going to have a better time or an easier time really, you know, finding a wing or a, or, or a four or a, you know, even a, a, a point guard where, where Killian can kind of play off that guy, wh- whatever position it may be. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be easier to find that guy in, in this year's draft or e- even in the next draft. Um, because I, I think those guys are, are more prevalent along the league um, around the league than, than the Killian Hayes of the world. Certainly. So um, let's move on to, to the next guy that we saw sustain an injury in Josh Jackson. Now that also looked pretty bad in real time. It was sustained on Sunday against the uh, Boston Celtics where he was just crashing to the glass uh, and had a really nice and one. And unfortunately, you know, bodies fall to the ground when they go up in the air. And uh, Daniel Tice inadvertently sort of stepped on the back of his heel and rolled his ankle. That looked really bad in the moment just because usually that body part doesn't bend in the way that it did that day. So it's still to be determined about when he's going to return. Um, But uh, it was definitely a scary sight. And it it does seem like the Pistons have dodged a bullet again there. I do think that he might be expected back on Wednesday um, against the Bucks, But at the same time, it's just a lot of this stuff happening all at once. And my heart, frankly, can't take it. It was interesting to see what they did in the rotation aspect in the following game. They put Wayne Ellington in the starting lineup. You ended up seeing some more Magruder minutes. Um, So uh, I guess my first takeaway, I was a little surprised that they didn't put Svee in the starting lineup. Um, But I guess what what were your thoughts having seen that injury take place and, uh, you know, what the Pistons did sort of to recover from a rotational standpoint? Yeah, well, it it hurt me inside because I'm somebody who has had probably 20 ankle sprains in my 
Um, I don't have a career in my day, I guess is a better way to say it. Um, and they're, they're just horrible to deal with. Like I, I still, every once in a while, I will just slightly tweak an ankle and it'll hurt for like a couple, like it'll take like a week to, to heal. So, you know, I feel for Josh Jackson and anyone who deals with these, these injuries, they're, they're brutal and there's just nothing you can do, but rest it. Um, and and it's easy to re-aggravate and and even make worse um kind of you know the if you if you re-injure it a second time um when it's not fully healed it just gets worse and the recovery time takes longer so again i hope they go go slow with Josh Jackson the Wayne Ellington thing was interesting um i my take on that is that he <laughs> I think that Dwayne Casey probably wanted a veteran to go alongside Killian Hayes in the starting lineup, um, which makes sense to me. Um, Delon Wright has has played that role. He's struggled. Um, Pistons have been pretty bad when when Delon Wright's been on the on the floor this year. He also kind of slows down the offense, I think, a little bit, which I think we'll talk about you know, pace. And, um, I, I think getting him a, a chance to just sit down and, and look at what's going on the court might, might've been in order for, for Casey. I, you know, I, I think you'll see Svi eventually there, um, in these type of situations, but I, I imagine that he likes doing case. He being doing Casey likes having Svi next to Derek Rose, given, given some of Rose's, shooting woes and and just the fact that that rose gets to the paint so much that it's going to create more looks for svi on the on the second unit um but it was good to see svi get some some additional minutes recently because he's he's been playing pretty well yeah he has played a lot better uh as of late i think he's hitting uh over 50 percent 52 percent over from three over his last three games um something like six or seven attempts per game there so it, it, it was pretty clear that Svi was not going to have the sort of shooting woes that we saw right off the jump uh, from the season. So uh, he's just too pure of a shooter for that to be something that's going to uh, continue. But it was nice to see him come in and play really well. He played awesome in the Celtics game, was able to just immediately come in and insert offense. Uh, so yeah, definitely some positives out of Svi. I'm, I do wonder how they're going to sort of manage minutes and manage, um, you know, just these rotations moving forward. I think we're going to just have a lot of different looks and lineups uh, as this season continues. Um, So, and and I don't want to put too much stock into that just because this is a bad team and uh, there's still a lot to figure out. There's nine new guys that are on, or there's, I don't necessarily know. There's mostly new guys that are on this roster who haven't played for Detroit before. So yeah, uh, nine in the general rotation. So um, yeah, so I don't want to put too much into that, but it was nice to see Spee really turn it around um, just because uh, this team desperately needs shooting. And, and he is by far, um, maybe not by far, but he is certainly one of the uh, best shooters on the team uh, currently as currently constructed. Yeah, he absolutely is. And he's, um, you know, I, I think he's shown a little more in his limited minutes and just getting to the, to the rim when, teams are overplaying him, whether he's cutting 
where he's just attacking closeouts. Um, so that's been encouraging to me. He he works pretty hard defensively. Um, he's not necessarily gifted defensively, um, so I don't know how effective he's ever going to be defensively. But he kind of reminds me of Luke Kennard in that that regard, where you know Luke really worked hard on his defense and. And and effort is a large part of defense. So so you can be a decent defender even if you don't have the skills. And and I think that's kind of what Sfi needs to be in order to really have have major value going forward. Um, otherwise, you're just his defense is going to cancel out his offense too often. Um, I I the, you me- you mentioned the rotations um, and kind of how they're changing. They're going to continue to change, and I think we talked about that a little last week. But we saw it in this this last this first game against the Bucks on uh, on Monday. We we saw before he went down, Killian Hayes. I think we had Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay, and uh, Seku on the on the floor, um, all three of them. And I think it was probably for the first time. It's the first time that I recalled it um, happening. And you also saw Seku playing the five at the end of the game to close out the game. Um, you know, it was nice to see him in that moment and, and really, you know, I, I do think that he's going to have some future at the five if he's going to stick in the league. Um, because you, you saw when he was out there, like he was, he looked way more comfortable attacking, you know, closeouts when coming from the five, even though it was Giannis and Robin Lo- or uh, not Robin, um, but, Brooke Lopez, but he looked kind of smooth and he's usually, he usually looks like he's going to blow a tire at any moment, but he, I thought he looked really under control and I'm, I'm encouraged by that. And I'm, I'm hoping we see more Seku at the five minutes. Yeah, definitely. Especially because I do want this team to run as much as possible. And you have a gazelle like Seku out there, then uh, all the better, you know, if he's going to be playing the five, I'm also have been, now, Giannis went off, and Giannis tends to go off. He's a back-to-back MVP. He had like 42 points last night. Uh, but at the same time, uh, there's just moments where he was guarding Giannis where he didn't give up an inch, which I- I've been really, really impressed with sort of like the strength that he's been able to to put on. He doesn't look like he's yoked. He doesn't look like – he doesn't have the physique of a Giannis. He doesn't have the shoulders of a Giannis. But when we've seen him – in getting or tried to get bodied in the paint, it, he surprisingly held his own where last season it was pretty futile. So it's just a testament to him and his offseason regiment and his training and the training staff itself. So that's been another encouraging aspect of his game is that, okay, yes, he is certainly an undersized five, but if you think that you're just going to roll him over and get to the cup. Giannis, sure, he he did it a few times, but there were still times where he was unable to really make an impact trying to do so. So that was just encouraging to me as well, just because, I don't know, it's just something where, it's just another wrinkle to his game. It's another element of his game that will be able to see him stay on the floor even longer. If he's able to, the more that you're able to do on an NBA floor, the longer you're going to be able to, to stay on that floor. So, all of the little things that I'm seeing out of Saku recently have been really positive. And uh, I just hope that uh, the training or that the coaching staff sees it the same way as I do, because I really do want to see him get much more extended playing time as the season continues. And I think he will. I think he's certainly going to be put in that position, uh, you know, as these games go on. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's, I, I guess the one other thing that I would like to just, and, and another reason to keep him at the five more is, you know, like you said, he can, he can handle his own in the post, um, especially, you know, if he's, if he's running from the five, 10 minutes, 12 minutes a game, which I think is kind of what you might expect in the future. Um, you know, maybe as many as like 15 minutes, but he's not, he's not a full-time center unless the league just goes super, um, super small. Um, but you know, he, while he can do that in the post and he, he certainly can be a rim protector, you definitely want to see him diagnose plays better and, and really become kind of a complete rim protector if he's going to last in those minutes. Um, you know, when you, you know, and this is obviously, this isn't who Seiku is going to turn into, but when you watch Draymond Green, you know, he's so effective because he he can read every single play before it's even happening. Um, you're, you're, Seiku's not going to do that. With, you know, I, I just want to be clear on that, but that's the sort of thing that you want to see him improve at. And because the better he gets at that, the more effective he's going to be at the five, the more he's going to earn those minutes at the five. And I think we, we kind of know that that Dwayne Casey is a guy who is going to make his young players earn minutes and the five might be the best chance for Seiku to, to earn some additional minutes, frankly. Um, you know, when you're, when you're playing smaller lineups. Um, so I, I'm, I'm really keeping my eye on that and, I, I hope we get to see more Seiku at the five because it, it was even for a, a few minutes, it was, it was a fun little experiment. Yeah. And we said it before, no more Okafor. Don't need it. Don't need to see it anymore. So, you know, just let Seiku play in that, in those moments or Stewart. That's all I need to see from the backup five currently. Um, but one thing I wanted to talk a little bit more about uh, just some of the overall stuff that we've seen from a team perspective, not necessarily just the individual players over these last three games. Uh, one thing that you certainly notice is that they have been scoring a lot more recently uh, against really solid defensive teams. The Bucks and the Celtics uh, are, uh, so they hang their hat on defense, especially the, the Celtics this year. They're going to have to with their um, more limited scores that they have out on the floor. And the Pistons were able to put up some points, which was really impressive. They've ranked I have it here, 111 points per 100 possessions, which ranks 15th, which is the middle. But last week when we talked about the first three or four games, they were in the bottom, uh, you know, they were 23rd, 24th or something like that. So just seeing them being able to sort of embrace uh, that pace, I think the pace has had a lot to do with it. The It's kept, it's, uh, t- it's sorry, it's crept up a tick. Uh, and... Um, those smaller elements that uh, just the change of style, the change of uh, the personnel on the floor, they have the types of guys on this roster to really get up and down the court is going to give you the opportunity to put up more points. And that's what we've seen them be pretty successful at, even though these are mostly losses that we're talking about. But at the same time, it has just been uh, a sight for sore eyes because that's what I was hoping that we were going to see after the first week of games. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think one of the the things that you you should you should look at is is when what what games have the they played at a higher pace. And so two of the so the number two and three top pace games um, have been. 
the first game against Boston, which came on one day rest. And then this game against Milwaukee, which was on a back-to-back, which is kind of, you know, it's unusual to play at such a pace, uh, at a higher pace um, on a back-to-back. But, you know, Blake Griffin was out in both of those games. And if you if you look at the on-off splits, Blake is by far, or the, the, the offense is by far the slowest when Blake is, is on the court. Um, uh, according to NBA.com, He's at 97.5, you know, and you look at somebody like Josh Jackson, who's the highest regular rotation uh, member, he's at 105. So he's, he's you know, they're, they're playing eight possessions faster when Josh Jackson is on the floor compared to Blake Griffin. Um, so it's, you know, we can talk a little bit about Blake, but, you know, it's it's been a problem when he's when he's on the court and, I'm not really sure there's a good answer of of what to do, but if if you want to get these guys out in open space and play to their strengths, I think you're going to need to see a lot less Blake Griffin minutes. Yeah, and I think that the fan base would certainly call for it. I don't think that the organization is going to be calling for that, especially since a lot of the narrative going into the season was put him out there, let him perform, hopefully he ups his trade value, and then you move on from him. I don't know if that's going to be the sort of uh, ending that we're going to see for Blake Griffin in Detroit. So, uh, so yeah, it's going to be it's definitely a tightrope to walk for Dwayne Casey and the staff. Uh, how they're going to be managing Blake's minutes? Um, they don't seem to be wanting to manage Blake's minutes when he's actually in the game. They're, they're most are managing him from a game perspective, um, giving him you know rest in uh, the first or second night of a back to back or something like that. So. It will be certainly interesting. I don't want to act like I have the answers to that because I know just how delicate of a situation this is, both from a Canon Core perspective and like an organizational goal perspective. Um, but uh, one thing I did want to note that I think that also has helped with that pace right now, the Pistons are third in the league at forcing 17.3 turnovers per game, uh, which has been because they're still getting scored on a lot. They're still one of the worst defenses. Um, so they are taking the ball out of their own end zone. Uh, pretty often, but at the same time, they're forcing a lot of turnovers, which have led to some breakouts, to some outlet passes, and to some easy buckets. So that's been something that that I've liked to see, that I have liked seeing, and I hope that they're they're able to continue that. I don't necessarily think that they're going to finish that high when the season is all said and done, but uh, it's just the it's just part of the reason why we've seen this team remain competitive in each and every one of their games. They've only lost one game by double digits so far this season, even though they're one in six or something like that. Yeah, uh, whatever it is that they are. Sorry, I should know that off the top of my head. But uh, at the same time, you know, that is exactly the sort of formula that I see for this team to eke out a couple games. And I don't think they're ever going to win enough games to really jeopardize their draft positioning uh, once the season is all over. But from an encore perspective, that's what I'd like to see. That's what I've liked seeing, that is. Yeah, I've, uh, I, I have as well. And I think it speaks to the length that Troy Weaver has built into this roster. Um, you know, especially these young guys, you see them jumping a lot of passing lanes, whether it be um, Josh Jackson or Killian Hayes or Sadiq Bay. Who's, who's done a really good job. Seiku is good at jumping into passing lanes. Um, and they had the length to do that finally. They haven't in recent years. They haven't 
had that length for quite a while, frankly. Um, and it's been, it's been nice to, it's been nice to watch. It, it just, it brings a whole different dimension to the team. And I think for me, it was especially noticeable against the Bucks yesterday. Um, you know, they, they were never, it never looked like the Pistons were going to win that game. But if you remember the Bucks games from the last two years, like every single time it seemed like they just blew us off the court because we could not deal with their length on either end. It just looked super easy. They were, um, they were just whipping the ball across the, around the court on, on offense and just creating all kinds of, kinds of havoc defensively. And you just didn't seem that, just didn't see that, excuse me, this time. Like it, it, it just, it seemed, it was almost, it was a pretty boring game, frankly, which, you know, I take as an, as an upgrade for this team against a, a team like the Bucks because we've, we've seen them blow out so many teams in the last few years and, and the Pistons have been kind of top on that list. Um, what, what were your thoughts about the, the Bucks game and, and whether it looked any differently to you? Yeah, I agree. They definitely looked a little bit more feisty. Uh, there were elements or there were times during the game where it really looked like the Bucks were about to turn it on and to make it a 25, 30 point game. They were on the precipice of really breaking it out uh, at, at, at courses throughout the third quarter. Um, but what I've really, really liked about this team just in general throughout this season is that they have just steadily competed for 48 minutes. Now they've certainly had lulls. They've had some lulls going into the second half. They've had some lulls to finish out games, which is why they've lost a few of these games. But to me, it's the most, the single most entertaining aspect of this season. And I think the Bucks are a perfect example of that. They really looked like they were going to blow out the Pistons. And I think it ended up cutting to a seven or eight point lead with a couple of minutes left. And um, yeah, I, I just really like to see that there's sort of a, a, a never say die attitude that you're seeing out of this group. And especially with how many young guys are getting minutes. Um, it, it's just been really impressive. And, and I think it's a, it's just a testament to the type of culture that you really hope is sort of the bedrock of a rebuilding team as they continue to probably lose games. And as they continue to sort of grow within their own roles, if you have that type of attitude, then I don't know. I mean, it's just going to be good for you as the rebuild continues, as you continue to develop your players and add players through the draft and whatnot, just to have those types of guys that, that think that way and believe that way. And you've seen it in every single game. There's been a lot of games this year where I've thought that, okay, this is, this is when it's going to happen. They're really going to start running it up on us. And um, they haven't. Now, you know, the, the Pistons, as I said, have only lost by 10 points once so far this season. And that was last night to the Bucks. Uh, but uh, just in general, that's, the, that's what I'm hanging my hat on right now from an overall team perspective. Not just the stats and the numbers and, and the pl- individual players. Just from what I like to see out of a basketball team. They are checking that big box, which means they're trying, which I really enjoy, even though they are a bad team and it would be easy to hang your head seeing how you've lost most of your games to start this season. Yeah, they've they've checked that box in a big way. And I think it is so important to build that type of culture when you have this completely new team um, here with so many 
young talented players here um it it sets the tone for their entire careers um you know you would hope that it would kind of bring them together encourage them to work even harder and and just build confidence in the future um and and you know just kind of create a chemistry that you, you want to bring up a group that that likes each other and and wants to stay together so that if you do hit on all these guys or or, or a couple of them at least um you can keep them together in the future so i it, it's just a drastic change like so, so much of this is is a drastic change from from the last few years um and i'm not going to single out any any specific players it's there's there's a different culture in this team it's it's so obvious um and i don't care about the wins and losses i care about what they're doing on the court and um it's it, it's just been great they're, they're they're a whole lot of fun to watch um every time isaiah stewart gets on the on the floor i think everybody is is tuning closely in to to see what he's gonna do because he he's he's not the kind of guy who's gonna lay down um that 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 much is clear from his limited minutes so far and and that sort of attitude is is really infectious i think and it's it's definitely made a difference um across the board with this team i don't know if it which game it was i think it was the second celtics game when uh it might have been the first celtics game it's all it's all my mind's a little bit a little blurry right now but uh he had a uh he was getting uh, he, he was defending in the post and someone had, uh, I don't know, like a hook shot or something like that. And uh, Isaiah Stewart swatted it, but it was a goaltend and it was clearly a goaltend. And he yelled, he yelled out, gave this like, ah, and it's just, it was so funny, but also so awesome at the same time. It's like, yeah, you did goaltend that, but it's not going in the net. Like, I do not care. It's like, that is my type of guy. That is a piston. I was uh, watching last night's game with my cousin yesterday um who is in my little bubble so don't worry guys uh but uh he was um uh I was just talking to him about just the amount of guys that we've seen coming in and out of the door uh with the the Pistons over the past few years and just to see Isaiah Stewart was uh and just his sort of infectious attitude has been such a sigh of relief it's like that guy is a Piston like he's certainly a Piston he is what I grew up watching with this team. Now he's not as spectacular and probably he's not going to have the the career of a Ben Wallace, but at the same time, it is just nice to see that type of attitude enter, uh, you know, start his career with this organization and sort of help build and hopefully help build and mold that type of pedigree uh, for this team. Cause that's how the Pistons have been successful throughout their history. And, and just watching him play is just such a joy, even though sometimes he looks lost, even though sometimes he does that weird, I don't know what that was against Brooke Lopez, where he sort of rotated and rotated and rotated and put up a moon ball and it found the bottom of the net. He's just a joy to watch out there. And I think that he is really a, a tone setter, even as you said, with his limited minutes that we've seen him play so far this year. Yeah, he's very much uh, a, a case of controlled chaos. Um, but I I, I kind of like that, um, you know, especially for a team like this. Um it's those guys are fun to watch and he he's definitely a, a piston through and through. And, you know, the fact that he, he, he does have his limitations. He's not going to be, you know, an all-star probably ever, 
um, you know, maybe he develops into that and, and makes a makes an all star game. Who knows? But it, it's not likely. Um, and you know that that's the kind of guy you could see sticking around for for a really long time, like kind of like uh, Nick Collison did in in Oklahoma City. You know, that just the that kind of glue guy who who's just going to work his butt off and be a great teammate and and not going to demand a bunch of money um, or, or a bunch of interest from other teams. Um, you know, that, that to me is kind of who he is and what he's going to be. And, and I hope that, um, you know, he, he can be productive enough to, to be a piston for a long time because he's, he sure is fun to watch. For sure. Um, now let's just, I want to look forward here real quick. because we're probably going to be recording sometime early next week. The Pistons have coming up the Bucks again. Uh, then they have the Suns on Friday and the Jazz on Sunday. When we record next, will the Pistons notch another W uh, in the win column? Or do you think that they'll still be sitting at one win uh, once we uh, reconvene next week? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that they're going to win one game. Um, if I had to guess which one it would be, I would probably guess the jazz game just because the jazz haven't looked particularly good to me. Um, and I, I think that the Pistons have the length to maybe slow down Donovan Mitchell. Who's, who's struggled a bit. Um, and we could see some, maybe some Isaiah Stewart, Rudy Gobert battles. That would be fun. Um, <laughs> sure. But uh, yeah, I, I could see them winning that game. It, it you know, w- winning against the Bucks is always tough, but they're beat up. They're more beatable this year, I think, in, from on a regular season standpoint. And they, they could beat the Suns too. You just never know. And you know, the odds are that they're going to win. You know, whenever even even three or four tough games in a row, like they're 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 even a bad team's usually going to win one of those games. Um, so I, I I haven't looked at like money lines or anything, but I would guess that they're, they're probably even a slight favorite to win one of those games just from a, a mathematical standpoint. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and say that they're going to win the jazz game. Um, and, and there'll be one in one and two when we, um, uh, of the games that, that, that lapse between now and when we record next, what do you think? Yeah. I, I also want to go in on that. I want to go in on the jazz game as well. Um, the Jazz have spanked the Pistons over the past few years, so I that's just a team that I would really like to beat from a personal perspective. Nothing to do with Donovan Mitchell and Luke Kennard and all that crap. I don't care. But uh, just, I don't know, I, I have nightmares of a few years ago when the Pistons rolled out the jumbo lineup where they put Aaron Baines and Andre Drummond in the starting lineup against the Jazz, and they were down by like 25 points in the first quarter, which was honestly one of the most comical games I've ever watched for Detroit. I was in the SVG era, but uh, for that memory to, to hopefully finally flee my brain, I would really like to win this game, especially seeing how poorly we've started this season and how, how much the Jazz, frankly, need a win uh, currently. So that's my prediction, but uh, that's all I got right now. I don't know if you got anything else, Matt. No, I think that that covers uh, most of what I wanted to talk about. That was, uh, we, we covered a lot, so... You know, we'll we'll just keep seeing how how things play out. Hopefully, we get you know Killian Hayes back in the in the near future, and it'd be be good to see Josh Jackson uh, before we record next. I'm gonna put this out there too. Actually, no, I won't. 
I'm not going to put it out there. <laughs> Never mind. I feel like a, a jin- I'm going to jinx something. Uh, anyways, so inside the cylinder on Detroit Bad Boys every episode. Uh, uh, we're also on the Detroit Bad Boys stream, so make sure you follow, rate, and review there. And follow us on Twitter. We've seen an uptick in uh, Twitter followers. Matt, I got to get you the, uh, the the passwords for all that stuff, so it might be. But, um, yeah, so follow us there, Inside the C-Y-L-N-D-R, and we will catch you all next week. Peace. See ya.